The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, and welcome to episode number 183 of the LSR Podcast. My name is Matt Brown. Joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. With me, I have two of them again. I got Dustin Galker. I got Adam Candy. You can follow them on the Twitter machine. And you should. It's free at Dustin Galker, at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y. And if you hate yourself, you can follow me at Matt Brown, M2. Everything we mention on this podcast can be found over at LegalSportsReport.com. So be sure and head over there and take in all the great words. Adam and company are getting done. We are going to talk Tennessee and what might happen with some official league data there, some Minnesota news as well. What's going on over at the prize pick land. And of course, Washington is something we will hit on as well. But Adam, let's kick things off here because look, earnings calls, especially as we're moving into maybe a new phase of a lot of these companies are definitely top of mind for not only investors, but for us as well to kind of see what they're saying is the path to either profitability or greater profitability somewhere along the way. Yeah, Matt, I think I have to say earnings season, not as fun as the holiday season, maybe not as fun as baseball season, but it is a season. It is a season that legal sports report covers quite in depth. Uh, We have stories on most of the major operators and their earnings calls up at legal sports report and a few more to come this week as well. I wanted to focus in particular on some discussion that was going on around DraftKings and Caesars over the last week or so, as we heard from both of them talking about when profitability will arrive. And you referenced that a moment ago, and that certainly has been more of a focus through 2022 and now into 2023, as investors have rightfully started to say, hey, by the way, all this money you're spending, all these customers you're bringing in, when is that going to turn into you making any money? Uh, with these companies. And we saw from Caesar's call that its loss widened uh, a little bit in 2022. And that was somewhat expected, uh, especially considering what we saw in New York with Caesar's at the beginning of 2022. And we saw DraftKings get a little bounce in its stock from discussion of profitability potentially next year as well as they uh, moved up toward $20 again which doesn't sound like much when you think that they were up over 70 at one point, but certainly when they were hovering with dropping below 10 at various points during last year, then 20 looks a lot better. And a lot of the stories that came out, uh, especially around the DraftKings stock situation, were that investors are reacting well to the talk of profitability. And I 
think what we kind of lost in this whole thread and discussion of profitability and efficiencies is what it's taken to get there for these companies. This has not necessarily been a story of, oh, it's organic growth and we're winning more and so on and so on. No, it's been a story of having to cut spent in both cases. Uh, in Caesar's case, we talked a lot about the fact that they went out with a huge offer in New York of over $3,300 and then immediately came back and said, yeah, you know, I think we're done here. Uh, we don't need to spend anymore. We've accomplished what we came to accomplish. We saw their market share uh, drop after that offer went away. But they made a point of saying we are not going to be spending on marketing the way that we were before. They talked about it with NFL season, although I think uh, the ubiquity of the Mannings on your NFL TV screen would suggest that maybe that wasn't cut all the way back in terms of marketing spend. And then on the DraftKings side, look, they executed a very smart PR strategy, in my opinion. 140 layoffs, or they didn't want to call them layoffs, but job eliminations one way or the other for DraftKings. Uh, that story came out about a week or two before the earnings calls. And that kind of got that news out there. And now people are talking about profitability and efficiencies without necessarily talking about what it took to get there, which was the fact that they're going to have to cut a number of jobs in the process of trying to deliver that profitability. So it's not to drag any of these companies for doing what they have to do to deliver what they have to for their shareholders. It is to say, though, it's a story that needs to be told in full when we talk about what it's going to take to get there. And all of these companies essentially chasing FanDuel in some way, shape or form, which has not done a lot of uh, those similar machinations just yet. Uh, we haven't heard from BetMGM in terms of what they will do. Of course, they have their joint venture partner in Entain, who we reported recently. Uh, MGM will not go through with any further bids to, to buy Entain. But when we talk stock, when we talk profitability, all of these things, I think it's important that we talk about a full picture. So, Dustin, here's the thing. And I think I speak for, for you as well with this. Look, cut back on the mailers. Uh, cut back on the email if you have to. Like, you know, do some eliminations there. Like, take hand sanitizers out of the bathrooms at the casinos. I don't really care. But do not get rid of J.B. Smoove. I do not want to have to live in a world in which the cuts involve J.B. Smoove. He has to stay a Caesar for eternity. I mean, this has to be what happens here. Yeah, I mean, they have to get him on a lifetime yes, contract seriously. at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he's part of he's part of the brand now. Um, there, there's lots of interesting stuff in here. Um, another another aspect we saw, I saw CEO DraftKings CEO Jason Robbins also say they were going to cut back on team and league deals, um, as they're say, he's, he said that these are not terribly uh, efficient marketing strategies for them. And I've I have always agreed with this. This is you and I know this going back to the DFS yes. days when DraftKings and FanDuel were bidding millions and millions of dollars on on these deals. Then sports betting comes around, did, did a lot of these same deals or expanded them with either the leagues or, or teams and markets with sports betting. And it's an interesting dynamic because, yes, it's 100% not uh, an efficient way to, to acquire customers. Every, everything else that they're doing from just regular TV commercials to, you know, uh, any other acquisition that they're doing is better than this because that's just branding, really. Nobody's looking at a, you know, a DraftKings sign in, the, in right field and saying, oh, man, I'm going to play a DraftKings now. That's not, yeah. you know, that's, that, that is just keeping P DraftKings kind of top of mind, brand, et cetera. Is that, some, is that something they need right now? Arguably not. Um, but it does set up this dynamic, I think, where leagues and teams and the operators become, become more at odds because they were, they've, they've been playing nice because they all want the same thing. They want more sports, betting. they want more engagement. You know, the, 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 the operators are paying the le the leagues and the teams with advertising or sponsorship deals or whatever. So if th that gets pulled back, 
are there more are they more at odds because the end game here is the, and this is why we always had uh, the leagues kind of at odds with sports betting in in in, in in as the legalization process is that they want to own this, right? They will, they have one, they own licenses every, uh, they want licenses to come through them. Um, they want to be the, the end game, the, for all of this. So does this, you know, does that, that realization that DraftKings is pulling back there, certainly with along with FanDuel, the two biggest spenders on these, on these kind of partnership deals, what does that mean? Um, it's, it's a, that's a fascinating part of this uh, in, in, in DraftKings trying to get to profitability um, and yeah, trying to get all this marketing spend a little bit more under control because that is a large category, both for the, I mean, it's a large category at this point for the leagues and the teams too there. If that money starts drying up a little bit, it'll be interesting to see where all this goes. Yeah, Adam, when we when we look at these deals, I think this is like the first and most obvious thing as ways to 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 cut spending, because for several of the points that Dustin already mentioned. And then also when you take a look at it, look, because these athletes can't endorse and pitch for you as it is. It'd be one thing if the star of the team could stand up there and say, like, hey, I bet it, you know, X, Y, Z, you should too, you know, or whatever, or something like that. Like, that would be one thing. But like, you can't do that. And that's not a thing that can happen. And so really like Dustin mentioned, like you're really just kind of like paying a bunch of money to have your stuff plastered on a, on a wall, which like, you know, I don't think any of us believe truly moves the needle or kind of anything like that. I mean, if there were, could be a true endorsement from a, a player, a team, a, the whole team at, at once, they're all sitting there and they're like, Hey, we all bet it, whatever. And all like that, that's, that's one thing. And maybe that could convince someone and whatever, but not being able to get that aspect of all of this, it certainly seems like the the first and most obvious place for me anyway that you would want to cut some spending. Well, I think the question for all of them is what does the return on investment look like for the customers that they're getting out of these deals? Because it seems to me that you get two things in particular. You get access to customers at the game, right? You get them in the stadium and you get the ability to have your employees in front of them, walking them through a signup and getting them to become betters with your app. And if that turns out to bring you profitable customers, great. And I think the other thing that you get is you get access to email and contact databases that allow you to get directly to certain customers that you might not have had access to otherwise. I think there's probably a reasonable question for some of these deals as to how much overlap there is between the email database of a team and the email database that, say, a DraftKings or FanDuel might already have had through DFS for those customers who are going to turn out to be their better customers. We're deep in the weeds on this. Mm. When we talk about these deals in particular, I think the the sort of unspoken part is that during the DFS days, when all of this was thought of in some way as, is it legal? Is it shady? All of this, there was credibility attached to getting a deal with right. a league or a team, right? That's not a question anymore, right? It is legal in states where they have chosen to legalize it. It is legal. There is no question as to the credibility. You don't need your name attached to a team. I think the question becomes a lot more about what is the most efficient method of acquiring customers. And it seems to me that with the numbers that were being thrown around in these deals in the early days of legal sports betting, that it's a natural place to look to say, is this delivering what we want it mm. to deliver us? Because it's a multi-step process with one of these deals to ultimately deliver a customer that you want to keep. And, and maybe honestly, maybe the answer is both, right? Maybe the answer is it just kind of runs its course, right? Like maybe at the beginning where if you're into a new market, it does bring a little bit of credibility to say like the official blah, blah, blah of that team when you're in a new state or something. 
but does that really play three years later? Probably not, right? So maybe it just kind of wears off over time. Yeah, diminishing returns, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, d- d- sorry, Dustin. To, to, yeah, d- diminishing returns, absolutely. And and just to add one more thing before Dustin gives his opinion here, because I forgot to mention this earlier, it seems that Caesars has already made its decision when it comes to the cut that it is going to uh, to enact. And I'm sorry to report it's Carl. Uh, Carl is uh, Carl is no longer in the advertising. JB is here. The Mannings are here. What happened to Carl? Uh, I haven't seen is, Carl in forever. That this is true, and so that's that's a good. It is a good point that you you brought up there. But Dustin, yeah, you were you were going to put a bow on this. Yeah, I think the the last part of this is what happens with these companies moving forward. Uh, it, it is the the profitability is one thing, but if you're stopping the marketing or pulling back or or not scaling anymore, like DraftKings is a clear number two. Caesars is clearly ba- not there. They're, you know, in this, in the, in the second tier, along with MGM, arguably right now, it's, you know, Fandle with a bullet, DraftKings two, MGM and, C- MGM and Caesars at three and four in some order, depending on the market. Um, so Caesars gets the profitability, but how exciting is that profitability? It's the same thing we're going to see with Penn and Barstool too. So Barstool, we know is going to said, has said they're going to ramp up marketing. Does that, push them up because what, what is, you know, at the end of the day, profitability is great, but you're, if you're profitable on, you know, 3% of the market, like, and you're not growing anymore, that, that story, that story again, becomes not that exciting to me like as, as an investor or, you know, uh, validating the space, you know, Caesars again is a large, large multinational company that, that you know, has casinos and uh, has a lot more skin in the game than just, uh, you know, online sports spending and online casino. So it's this, uh, you know, along with profitability, the scale and, and, and can somebody, can a fanatics come in and this, can a bar still actually spend on marketing and disrupt? That's the you know that's the that's the other side of this coin when we're see, looking at everything going on in, in the profitability and, uh, and and these earnings reports. So Dustin, I'm going to keep on rolling with you here as we head to Tennessee and look at some of this official league data stuff that we talked so much about a few months back here on the pod. Well, I mean, years back, this whole podcast feels like a throwback to me because yeah. this what this is an early one. This is uh, along along with integrity fees. My favorite favorite thing from the sports betting space is official data. Official league data um, has been part of the conversation pretty much since we started looking at legalization of sports betting in the states. And uh, finally, this kind of came up as an issue in Tennessee, uh, where two operators uh, have have gone to the regulator and said that official league data from the NFL provided by Genius Sports is not available to them on quote unquote commercial commercially reasonable terms this is a uh this is what has gone into the language in tennessee and some other states around how official data should be provided to sports books and this is the first time we've seen this you know, operators come out any operator come out say hey this is not uh quote unquote commercially reasonable which means they're saying they're overcharging versus you know how what their activity is because you know if there's a flat fee being paid here you know it's easier for a fan or DraftKings to eat than you know the small operators who have complained here, which are Superbook and Bentley in, in Tennessee. So it's an interesting dynamic here because, you know, Tennessee could end up being a proxy for this fight other places. And all of a sudden, this uh, almost 
uh, official data kind of kind of felt settled, but now it's not. Maybe if uh, if if they win, uh, it sounds like there's going to be hearing about this possibly in the spring about whether uh, if this this data is being provided personally reasonable means. And this is not just the NFL. This is every league. Every you know uh, you know all the uh, sport radar, Genius Sports, all of these these companies that provide this data uh, in partnership with the leagues. It's a it's opening up a can of worms that will be fascinating to watch if if anything happens on this front. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it's a, but it's a, it's a sticking point. You know, we know for a long time Nevada ran without any kind of official data, and official data has been trumpeted as the as the future of sports betting. That if you don't have nearly real time and or official data, that your 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 sports betting business is not as good as everyone else. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if anything comes of that, and if there's knock on effects in how the how the operators work with the leagues and the data companies uh, on official data. Adam, are you a data data or do you find yourself flip flopping? It depends on whom I'm talking to. Uh, I, I need to judge just how smart I need to sound. And at that point, I'll probably switch to data because I know that that is more toward the proper Latin. If I am talking about one particular piece of that information and I'm talking to a super smart person, I'll refer to a datum. Oh, okay. Look at you. See, this this is where we're just opening up, pulling the curtain back here on this pot. That's for sure. That is one thing. We're oh, yeah. My, my my credentials as a jackass are are well established <laughs> when I say things like that. So, yeah, uh, no no question about it. This this Tennessee situation is probably long overdue, and I don't know how far it will go because if you read the story from our Mike Mazio, it discusses the regulators saying to the books. Hey, we would really appreciate if you would go figure this out on your own before we have to get into it. Yeah. But I think the question becomes, how does this get figured out if Superbook and Bentley, the two uh, operators who are saying we can't get this on commercially reasonable terms, like unless Genius brings the price down, which is never shown any inclination to do after having to pay a fairly high price uh, more than a year ago to the NFL to wrest this deal away from Sport Radar. How does it get solved? Uh, and our John Holden has written on this before. Our legal analyst, mm. essentially, almost two years ago, I believe, John wrote a story saying, what does commercially reasonable mean? And what we all came down to is, unless it's ever challenged, we're never going to find out. Right. We, don't, we don't know what it, what it looks like. And when there are no competing alternatives, then it, it's hard to say what commercially reasonable look like. So for, for those of you who are new to this, if you haven't been listening to this podcast for 183 episodes, understand that. The idea of mandated official league data is different than just saying there's an official league data feed, right? Because what happened was the, the talk of integrity fees and God, we're not going to go all the way down that rabbit hole again, but integrity fees essentially were chopped up on Sunday night, thrown into a fish stew and reserved on Monday morning as official league data mandates. And the whole idea was if we can't get you to just give us money straight out, then we'll get you to give us money for a data feed that already exists but is the only one that we're going to claim is totally reliable and the only one that is approved by us. Whatever. They won on that one. And it became more palatable with legislators. We've always said on this podcast, there's nothing wrong with official league data and the ability to make a deal for it commercially. The question has always been, why is it mandated in law for sports books to have to take these official feeds that ultimately end up being profit machines for the leagues? David Fisdale would say data. 
if everyone remembers the uh, take, take that, that for data, data. <laughs> why don't people i love that clip and no one remembers it anymore thank you matt yes like and and, and, and for anyone wondering i'm officially a flopper i know for sure i say data and data i did i have no I, and no rhyme or reason as to why i don't it just whatever comes out however the brain decides it's going to be said in that uh in that way adam let's uh let's head to minnesota up to the great white north we go where it looks like more of a promising state than we have seen in the past with Minnesota. Now, last year, there was a bit of momentum toward legalizing sports betting in Minnesota, and it kind of came apart toward the end of the session with one chamber being on a different page than the other. And we're still a little bit that way, but it turns out that there's going to be a lot more power consolidated in one political party this year, and that has a chance of pushing this on through. So Representative Stevenson up in Minnesota has the alignment of the tribes who have exclusive casino gaming rights in Minnesota, as well as six of the professional sports teams in Minnesota with support for the tribes getting exclusivity over legal sports betting in the state. Now, there is a competing bill in the Senate that would include horse racing tracks as part of the deal. But the momentum that has been gathered behind the tribal bill, which was solidified with a letter from those six teams that was released yesterday supporting the House bill, appears to show that this has a pretty good chance in Minnesota. The governor is on board with legal sports betting. And what happened in the election in 2022 was that you had the Republican Party uh, over on the Senate side expecting that it was going to have control coming into this session, which would have changed the equation a little bit. But the DFL party that uh, is the party of Stevenson, the party of Walls, has now the ability to control the agenda in both houses. So it does seem like Minnesota is going to move toward the top of the list of states likely to pass something this year. Dustin, a little game we like to play here anytime we talk about a state and what they might add to the legal sports betting landscape. How populous is Minnesota in the rankings of states, where would you say that they fit in in the in the 50 states? What number are they from a population standpoint? Do not Google it. I see you look. Oh. Do not do it. Well, I thought you were going to ask me. I had to have the answer. So uh, rank in states. Give man. them an over under. Give, give them an over under. Give them a number on an over under. Over okay. under 21 and a half. 21 and a half million? Or no, no, no 21 and a half as far as the state right. ranking. Uh... Under as in lower population. Correct. Yes, they are over 22nd. They are 25.8 million. They are just ahead of South Carolina and just below Wisconsin. If anyone was wondering, the 22nd most populous state here in the United States. Yeah. And I mean, Minnesota, I mean, uh, also, what are you doing else in Minnesota all winter? I've been to Minnesota in winter and it is a miserable place. Sorry if you're listening in Minnesota, but I do have to speak up for Minnesota in the summer, though. They held the Nickel G's conference there a couple of years ago, and that was a lovely place uh, to have a conference. But it's always looming when you look up and you see those covered tunnels between the buildings and you're like, I know what those are there for. And I'm not going to be here when you have to use them. I mean, I mean, you guys, you guys know why I was there. And I, I think I spent like, unless I was walking somewhere, I was not outside. It was, it was yeah. a miserable experience. I would like, there was one, it was literally the coldest I've ever been in my life one time when I was anyway. Um, I know, I'm, like, int- I'm like looking at these like top 100 golf courses that you can like a you know, public golf course you can play. And like, there's two of them 
in Minnesota. And I'm like, what are they open like 60 days a year? Like, when you, when can you even play these golf courses? Like how are they so good? And they're only, like, you only get 60 days of business. I don't even understand how this works. I don't know. But, but back to Minnesota and actual the sports betting stuff. This is fascinating because Minnesota, I think we always kind of chalk up tribes didn't really want it. And like going into this year, I think we probably would have said, eh, like Minnesota lo- long shot. And now we all of a sudden become all the teams and leagues uh, are aligned. We have the tribes saying they want it. Like this is a different ball game. This is why, this is also why handicapping this stuff is, let's hear uh, really well aware of all the little machinations in the background. Like Minnesota goes from long shot to, you know, at least like a reasonable shot. I don't know if the favorite as we sit here, but there's, this is a lot more this is a dynamic that's very good for minnesota uh, you know the, all this coming out to, uh, together um i know the representative pat garofalo has been working on this for, uh, basically since the beginning of time uh he, he's also a sports better he's uh, he's uh, a, a fun follow on twitter because he's always gambling i don't know where he's i think he goes across the border to bet um but it's it'll be fascinating to see if minute like this is where there's where there's smoke there's fire we're gonna see some uh, it looks like we could see some real movement in minnesota all right, Dustin, it's a big day for you over there. So we are going to go ahead and just close things out here uh, with a pr- some prize picks information. Yeah, this was, again, throwback time. Uh, we saw a, a tweet caught our eye because Adam and I like the Twitter machine for, mm-hmm. for industry scuttlebutt and things like that. So uh, I don't know if Jeremy Kudan listens to the, is a, is a fan of the show, if he is. Uh, sorry if I say anything wrong. I'm just... Um, but uh, he's a, he's been he's a lobbyist who has been at the center of um, both legalization efforts of daily fantasy sports and then into the the multi state approach for for sports betting. So it caught our eye when he uh, there's a there's a tweet about um, Prize Picks and how well it's doing. Prize Picks is one of these uh, quote unquote daily fantasy sports. I'm gonna care, choose my words carefully here because I'm just, I'm not here to get fined or sued. <laughs> uh, but Prize Picks is a daily fantasy sports company that offers you know what is basically prop betting parlays on uh, on player performances, things like that. Is it legal in a lot of states or most states where it operates? It has a very good legal argument that it is. It uses a combination of, of games of skill, um, the, the carve out in the Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act that, that allows for, um, you know, uh, fantasy sports on the outcomes of sports. So he but what what uh, Jeremy said is that uh, after saying how good prize picks has been doing, it's like this is like an illegal VGT company winning an award from the American Gaming Association for Casino Experience of the Year. I know fantasy sports companies and prize picks is not one of them. That one, that was that's aggressive. I'd say yeah. I think we'd all all agree. Um and here I'm here to tell you it may it could be legal, but it is a hundred percent not daily fantasy sports. It right. is the it is the equivalent of of you know parlays and props. It may be legal, uh, but it's not. So it is, but you know, but it's also funny because you know Jeremy and the DraftKings and Fanduel went around the country barnstorming and got a bunch of daily fantasy sports laws and regulations on the book, and they got them to be they they wrote them overly broadly, and that set the stage for exactly what we've seen here, which is a a continued. pushing of the envelope of what is quote unquote daily fantasy sports. So it's kind of funny to me that, uh, Oh, can we passed all these overly broad laws and now we're complaining about it. One, we know we all, I think we know Adam and I know at least know one investor who's been on a crusade about this is like, why doesn't DraftKings and FanDuel do this? Because they don't want to risk their sports betting licenses. Yes. Uh, it's uh, so it's a, it's a funny di- dynamic uh, with all of this. Um, 
these companies are doing very well. I'm, I, I, we believe because they're they're serving an audience that does not either has to go offshore or doesn't have legal sports betting, or you know they you know they, it's a little different experience and, and product than than the the pure the sports betting uh, experience at you know at, at the sports book operators. Anyway, it's fascinating. I don't know what comes of this, but it's an interesting story to think about what where these companies are going. Uh, will they get into the sports betting space? That's hard because I think they they might have to just kind of quit. This, un, this, you know, this largely unregulated, they are regulated in some states, they, they register in some states that have DFS laws. Um, but I don't know what the exit is. Like if DraftKings and FanDuel wanted to be in this business, they just be in this business. They don't need to go buy these companies or somebody else. We saw a monkey knife fight required by Bally's. They're not now trying to sell that off. What is the, what is the exit of all this? Where does all this head? I don't know. It's all fascinating. Uh, and this, this tweet kind of stirred all of this up. Um, and, uh, fascinating, like, uh, you know, Jeremy's, uh, you know, well-known in back channels, not known as much known in public circles, but him, uh, throwing shade on all this was, was a fascinating little, uh, thing in our industry. Adam, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say this again. I echo what Dustin. While, while maybe technically legal, it is certainly no form of daily fantasy sports that that i played for a very long time or anything like that like might be technically legal not really dfs my my favorite part is having played around with one of these products that i will not name um they give you the higher lower option right the higher lower that is definitely not prop betting (laughs) but you can't just bet on one of them in order for them to take the wager, you have to do at least two. But then the rules get all interesting because it can't be two players from the same team, right? Some of them are even more wonky than that. And it's all kind of like, wait a minute, where are you deciding that this is the one distinction that ultimately makes this okay? Like what legal opinion do you have that says, yes, you can do this where it's, two props parlayed that is definitely not sports betting, but it can't be two from the same team. Oh, no, no, no. That's exactly where everyone would step in and say that crosses the line. It's amazing to me. It so really I is. just enjoyed that back and forth uh, from Jeremy at all. Uh, and I think Nick Green was involved in that one, too. And um yeah, DFS, sports betting, everything old is new again. Remember, Matt, when we used to question whether DFS on golf and NASCAR, just yes. golf, just just the sport of golf and the sport. Of, like I wrote I wrote a stories about this eight years ago. We we're like, is this legal? Is this fit in right. the UIGA? Like, that's all. It's wild. We we're even we're like and even uh, wrote story like even DraftKings was like, eh, I'm not sure this is legal under UIGA, but we're yeah. going to do it anyway. And now we're just like, you know, again, this is the outcome of all this. We just, we create yeah. unclear laws and overly broad laws. And this is the outcome because people are going to continue to, to, to push that envelope until somebody tells them not to. It's wild. I, I'm interested to see how this eventually all turns out as well. Guys, everything we do here, you can find the written words over on legalsportsreport.com. So please go over there, take in everything that Adam and company are doing. A bunch of hard work goes on behind the scenes for that. Subscribe, rate, review. If you're watching us on the YouTubes, hit that subscribe button as well. Do appreciate your help growing the channel and uh, just a bit of advice for everyone listening out there. If you were wondering how you don't have to cut your marketing spend on a spokesperson, you could just make it Stephen money who is a fictional cell phone. And then you just don't have to worry about cutting him because he's free. So you don't have to, uh, you won't ever have to cut that marketing budget. And he will drag the hell out of you. If your app goes down, watch out. So there is that as well for Adam, (laughs) for Adam, for Dustin. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.
Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All on one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.